Turkish farmer sells 10 kilos of raw opium, or about 22 pounds, for $350 on the black market. Through conversion, it is reduced to one kilo of heroin, now worth $3,500. Now they've got to sell the heroin. The ones with the customers in the United States are the mafia hoods, uh, mostly in New York City, Chicago, the West Coast. Heroin, in its relatively pure form, enters the United States in a variety of ways. The port of New York is by far the most common route and is the main target for Narcotic Bureau investigators working hand-in-hand -hand with customs inspectors. An estimated two tons of pure heroin is annually smuggled into the states, and it's considered a good year when the inspectors manage to intercept 100 pounds of it. Smuggling is a fine art, and the Corsicans are considered to be the finest practitioners in the world. Today, the automobile is a favorite hiding place, and there is hardly a part of the chassis or body that is not, at one time or another, offered concealment for big heroin shipments. A second major port of entry into the United States is the Mexican border. This is the main entrance for illicit marijuana shipments, but a good supply of heroin slips through as well. We are in our vault in which all the marijuana and heroin which is seized is stored until the criminal case against the defendants is terminated by federal court action. This contraband is concealed in most ingenious ways in vehicles and on persons. In fact, you can name a place that you feel contraband could be concealed, and I can cite you an instance where we have found it there. Some months ago, we encountered a young fellow entering the United States from Mexico eating an ice cream cone. A search revealed that he had an ounce of heroin concealed in the ice cream cone. In this area, we also have a number of yachts, some 5,000 private yachts based in this area, all of which have the facility or capability of going to Mexican waters. This poses quite a threat, as do the increasing number of private aircraft crossing the international boundaries. reaches its American distributors, it is blended with milk sugar and is cut at least one more time by the peddler himself. The heroin strength is now only 5%, normal for the retail market. Each packet or deck will sell for $5. Thus, the original 22 pounds of raw opium sold by a Turkish farmer for $350 is eventually worth, on the sidewalks of Manhattan, over $410,000, and, in a panic, half a million. slums far out in front. The traffic starts in Manhattan. It's uh, more readily obtainable in Manhattan, especially in the Harlem area. 
up around uh, Lexington Avenue from about 97th to around 135th Street, 116th Street, running east to west completely, 125th Street, and so many other spots, uh, probably take me all day to name them all. America's known heroin population of over 60,000 collectively shoots nearly two tons of opiates a year. More than half live within the tenement shadows of Harlem and the Bronx. When I first came to East Harlem uh, in 1948, it was primarily a large Italian and Puerto Rican community. For our part, as far as the young, the kids or the adolescents were concerned, it was constant warfare. Uh, there were many, many gangs. And it might be said that gangs uh, were the main problem in East Harlem then. There was much bloodshed. And the ironic thing is that the only thing that united Italians and Puerto Ricans together uh, were, was the use of drugs. For the ghetto dweller, heroin is a desperate bid for freedom, an escape from the despair of the tenement prison. After getting married, sort of uh, couldn't meet up with the responsibilities that I had taken on, and sort of felt the need to escape from these. My first marriage, I've been married twice, has only lasted uh, about four years continuously using drugs. I had two children. Right after my first marriage broke up, I was uh, immediately married again. In fact, my first marriage broke up through meeting this other woman. I went along for about eight months not using drugs, and uh, finally I come back to getting the feelings of, you know, trying to escape again. And I started using drugs uh, eight months after my second marriage. I feel that the main problem in the city at the time is uh, environment. I would say that the good majority of the people that go on to heroin go on as a result of their environment. Uh, the people they know, their friends, the ready availability to obtain it, and so forth. I started to use it. I started to sniff it just to be part of the group. I started to use it while I was in school. And uh, one day I woke up and I was addicted. You know? I woke up and I was very sick. And I didn't know what was bringing it about. But I did find out that as soon as I took some heroin through my nose, I got well. I felt normal. And once a follower is on heroin, it may be years before he realizes or wants to admit to himself that he is indeed a junkie and that he is in need of help. Uh, a fellow can start on narcotics, I would say, uh, at any age, really, of course, and within a matter of three to six months, uh, starting out at about four or six dollars a day, he can work his way up to a hundred dollar a day habit. I was using about over a hundred dollars a day. Everything I would get was to go through my arms. The Harrison Act of 1914, strengthened by a series of Treasury Department regulations, is the basic law restricting production and distribution of narcotics. 
Although the law does not refer to the addict himself, the implicit premise is that addiction is willful indulgence, meriting punishment. I feel that uh, the people living in the metropolitan area are arrested more frequently and exposed to arrest and the possibility of being jailed much more than the people in suburban areas for the simple reason that a good majority of them, the majority of them come from poverty homes. Uh, they don't have, in most cases, uh, money for proper legal aid, although the city will provide them with some. Possession alone is sufficient evidence for conviction. Users anticipating raids frequently conceal their day's supply in a toy balloon, keeping it in their mouth. If apprehended, they swallow the evidence knowing that they can retrieve it later. For under arrest for unlawful possession of, need of needles and unlawful possession of heroin. Following World War II, hard drug use, particularly among young people, was on the upswing. Public reaction surged, resulting in more stringent controls, stiffer penalties. The 1956 Narcotic Control Act spelled out the most severe and inflexible set of laws ever put on the federal books. Penalties for possession were only slightly less than those for selling. Probation was possible only on a first offense possession charge. The sentence was two to ten years. Second and third offenses and selling in any quantity, even soft drugs such as marijuana, brought terms up to 40 years with no chance for probation or parole. Selling heroin to a minor could bring a possible death penalty. At the same time the law was taking a harsher look at the addict, popular opinion began to swing back in his favor, recognizing that he was not just a criminal, but a sick person, a pathetic, tortured human being in need of help.